Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, log on to WGCRpreaching.net. The book of Matthew this morning. Now, you're going to have to bear with me uh, a little bit. I'd love to preach a favorite, but I've, the Lord has sent us down, a, down a, th- a thought and a road, and it'll take me a few minutes to get it to where I'm going. So don't, don't write me off at the beginning, okay? I ask for your indulgence for a few moments. When you find your place in the book of Matthew, chapter number 2, stand with me. The book of Matthew, chapter number 2. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Let's bow our heads and hearts together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, We ask, O God, help us to be found faithful today, and we plead the blood in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, and please be seated. Now, we're going to do a lot of of, uh, imagery this morning. You know, I could have slides up on the screen, and it would give you an impression of what I'm talking about, but you know, the mind has a way of doing that and painting pictures, and so... Uh, The television in your mind, I want you to listen uh, to what I'm going to talk about and see if you see some images and see if it creates uh, some images in your mind because, you know, during our, in the front of our church, this drive-through season, we have just silhouettes. Uh, Many of the, we we have had in the past, uh, if you look at our animals, they're on the backside facing the building, they're, they're full color. But this year on the front side, they're white. And there's a light that shines up on the outside and it, and it projects a shadow or a silhouette on the animals. Somebody asked, how come we're not shining the lights from the front onto them? Well, that's not, the, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying just the opposite to show you a silhouette, a shadow. Because it's amazing that your mind, if given, just given that shadow on a Christmas ornament, It can be made out of metal, just a little metal Christmas ornament, but it has three wise men, a man and woman bowing and and a baby in the middle. You don't have to be explained. They don't might have to explain to you what that is. And your mind adds the hay and the cattle and the sheep and the camels and the jewels and and the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. Your mind does all of those things uh, because, because we're used to that imagery. Well, this morning, I'm, I, have a, I have a complex thought, and it's simple, but it's complex, and it'll take me a few moments again to develop it. My subthought, my subtitle would be Puppies for Christmas. Imagine 
getting up on Christmas morning and finding a basket, and there in the basket maybe a, a tan puppy, maybe a little black puppy, maybe a little white puppy, all of them furry. They got little bows around their, their necks, and uh, they, just, they just greet you, and they're so excited. I mean, just a little basket full of love, a little basket full of adoration. So my subtitle would be Puppies for Christmas. But then my, my actual title is Why the Magi Worshipped a Messiah Born in a Manger. And we'll go somewhere from this if we can. When we think of, when we think of Christmas, we think of angels and animals. When we think of Christmas, we think of shepherds and stars. But when you think of Christmas, you don't really think about dogs being at the manger. You really don't think about dogs being a part of the nativity. Now, in other parts of the world, when we put on nativities, it's interesting what some of the children have in the nativity. I've heard at a nativity uh, in, the, uh, in the jungle that the kids brought their pet monkeys and they rode on their shoulders and they had uh, parrots that rode in on their shoulders. So the wise man had a parrot on his shoulder. It was his pet, so they brought their pets. Uh, the first time that we ever did, uh, the, the very first nativity in the country of Pakistan, the kids can't, or typically they're shepherds, they're goat herders or sheep herders, and they couldn't leave, the, leave them out in the field, so to get to come to church, they had to bring the flock and so when they got on stage to play parts, somebody was wanting this one to play a wise man and this one to play, you know, well, he couldn't because the sheep wouldn't get off the stage. Everywhere the little boy went, the little sheep went. They said, let's fix this. Let's just make him a shepherd and we'll fix, the, we'll fix it because the actual kids are shepherds there. And so the real animals, and they had it between two buildings, and there were, there were live donkeys, there, were, uh, there weren't any horses, but there were uh, goats, plenty of goats, and plenty of sheep, and chickens, and all the rest, and there was straw on the floor, and that was not put there by the prop committee. Uh, that's where they met at, in a place that had straw on the floor to have the nativity scene. So the nativity varies slightly as you go from place to place, but imagine, if you will, uh, the nativity scene, and there are three dogs. Now, what kind of dogs did you see? Did you see those puppies with the red bows that I talked about earlier in those baskets? Did you see a, a basket full of puppies there beside the Savior? Well, let's see if I can develop this whole idea of dogs. I want to prove to you there were dogs at the manger or at the birth of Christ, put it that way, at, that came to the birth of Christ. Say, how can you prove it, preacher? Well, the, the Scripture tells us that it happened. The Scripture told us that it was going to happen. The Bible said in the book of Psalm 68, 29, because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee. Well, kings, plural, there was only one king of the Jews, David at Jerusalem, Solomon at Jerusalem. There was only one. So kings, plural, said that there was someone coming other than Jewish kings. If they were other than Jewish kings, they were Gentiles. 
And in the Old Testament Levitical economy, a Gentile was the equivalent of a dog. Psalm 72.10, the Bible says, The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Verse 11, Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. I understand that's probably a millennial truth there in Psalm 72, but I'm still wondering if that's where we get the concept of the song, We Three Kings, because the Bible doesn't mention three kings. It does, however, mention three wise men. But yet in Psalm 68, 29 says, Kings shall bring presents. In Psalm 72 says that kings shall bow down. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 60, verse number three, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Now, I ain't got a bit of problem with that being the manger. Not a bit of problem, that being fulfilled. I believe they're dual. I believe a small token of kings came and a small token of kings bowed at the manger. But may I say hallelujah, in the millennial, every king shall come and every king shall bow before our Savior. You trust the, the word of God on that, my friend. The scripture uh, tells the future uh, that these Gentiles would come and can I say that they are Gentile dogs? So, well, I'm still not convinced, preacher. Well, the Savior typifies the same situation. And in the words of the Savior, let me say it this way. If you won't believe the preacher, would you believe the words of the Lord Jesus? If they were in red in your Bible, would you believe that? Well, flip over to it then. Matthew 15, 24. The Lord Jesus has sent a great amount of unbelief. He's just fed the 5,000 in Judea besides the women and children and taken up the loaves and yet they still are in disbelief. And so he left there and he headed toward the north and the west over toward the Mediterranean coast and he entered into an area of the Syrophoenicians. These were people of Greek origin. And the Bible says that there was a woman, a Syrophoenician woman came up and had a prayer request how that he would cast out a devil how that was in her daughter. And the Lord Jesus answered in Matthew 15, 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Bottom line, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep. Can I tell you this? If the lost sheep of Israel had received him as their shepherd, there would have been no church age. You say, well, how would that scripture you just read been fulfilled? It had been fulfilled in the millennium. But the lost sheep of the house of Israel, they didn't have any faith. As a matter of fact, they, had, they didn't have any faith at all. They had rejected the Savior. Uh, they were all about the biscuits and, and the fish sandwiches. Uh, they were all about the loaves and fishes. That's what they were about. Uh, they had little or no faith whatsoever in the Son of God. The Bible says in verse 25 that this, this Gentile woman, this Gentile a Greek woman said uh, she came, and the Bible says, and worshipped him. Boy, that word's so misused and so lightly used. Can I tell you whether you're laying prostrate before God 
or whether you are in your heart is bowed before God. Let me tell you something. Worship is not uh, singing seven words 11 times and swaying back and forth and saying, boy, didn't we have a good time? That ain't worship, folks. Worship emanates from the heart of God when the word of God is magnified, the saint of God is magnified. As a result of that, they'll be uh, just like putting incense on a fire. They'll arise a sweet, sweet smelling savor out of the heart and out of the thoughts and out of the mind of a born again child of God. And my friend, it pleases the Lord when we worship him. And the Bible said then this woman came and she worshiped him. Look at what she said, Lord. You say, well, that's not that big a deal. Everyone says unto me, Lord, Lord's not entering the king of heaven. That's right. But that's all the thief on the cross said. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. <laughs> you can say, Lord, Lord, all day. Still die and go to hell. But it's how you say it, what you mean by it. There wasn't time for much talking on the cross. The thief looked at the Lord Jesus and he said, Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. That's about as short a prayer as you can pray and get what you got to get said and done. And the Lord Jesus, that's all it took. That's all it took. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. Why? Because he worshiped him as Lord. And this woman, she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Again, the Lord Jesus withstood her in verse 26, seemingly almost uncharacteristic. I believe that he was trying to pull some things. There was some things in this woman that he knew were in her and he wanted everybody else to see it. And I believe the Lord Jesus was deliberately trying to pull some truths out of her. Not, that, not to see what she'd say. He knew what she'd say. But he was trying to pull some truths out of her to let everybody else hear what she'd say. <laughs> and the Bible says, and he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Does your Bible say dogs? Are we, are we talking, is there a dog in the story, Matthew 15? No, preacher, there's a woman in the Lord Jesus. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Syrophoenician woman in particular. But let me go a little step further. He's not just talking about her generally. He's talking about the whole race. He's talking about the whole human race. He's talking about anybody that is not Hebrew is Gentile, and the Gentiles were considered the same as dogs. And you might say, well, preacher, uh, that's a good thing. Man, dogs are worshiped in America. That's not what I'm talking about. Not at all. We'll develop that in a moment. So she asked for help. He said no. She, uh, he, said, he said no. And then she worshiped him. And he said, can't give the children's bread to the dogs. And verse 27, she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Hallelujah for a crumb every now and then that falls from the master's table. You say, well, I wouldn't eat crumbs off the floor of a table. I wouldn't. You would at the master's table. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can I tell you one of his crumbs is more, more satisfying and more nourishing 
than all this world's got to offer. Can I tell you, you can eat in the hog, uh, you can eat in the hog troughs of this world all day and never be satisfied. But my friend, if he ever gives you a crumb, if he ever gives you a nugget, and just so you know, somebody said, boy, didn't we have a time? We got a crumb. Just know that. We got a crumb. How, how do you know, preacher? How do you know it wasn't but a crumb? Because we didn't have but two or three running. If we'd got a mouthful, son, it'd have been tearing the windows out. Amen. If we had got a belly full, they'd have been throwing the pews out in the yard, amen. I mean, that's how you can tell. Just a crumb, just a taste, just a, just a bit. That's all she's asking for. Lord, I don't need much. I just need a crumb. And Lord, the crumbs fall from the master's table. Even the dogs get to do that. And Jesus said unto her, oh, woman, <laughs> great is thy faith. Woo! I believe that the Lord Jesus said, wow. Happy day. I've been all over Judea. I've been all over Galilee. That's the most unbelieving crowd. I can't even do miracles in that area anymore because of their unbelief. And here we have a Gentile woman. I mean, and she's just, she's, she's put herself in, and agreed that she was a dog and accepted the statement that she was a dog. And she said, yeah, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. She called him master. She called him Lord and said, I'll take a crumb. He said, I'll give you a crumb. <laughs> oh, woman, great is thy face. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That very hour. Puppies at Christmas. Scripture tells the, tells the future. The Savior typifies the fate in other words, there were going to be dogs at the master's table. Yes, sir, this was a type. Matter of fact, ought to have been a warning to unbelieving Israel, but they didn't get it, did they? They should have realized there's not going to be no marriage seats open at that supper. He's going to fill them. And if you won't come, he'll bid to go into highways and byways and bid others to come. And so the Savior typifies the fate of these, these puppies, these dogs, but then you start studying the sages, you can track back to the fact that they were Gentile dogs. I'm going to regress here back into the summer, and I'm going to flip back in your notes to Daniel chapter number 2, verse number 2, because I'm convinced through my study over the years, uh, there is a new revelation. The uh, epistle of the wise men has been found. It's recently been translated into English. Oh, it's a big deal. Oh, they're making a big deal about all the wise men, all these things. I, I don't put any stock in that. It's another one of those apocrypha books, another one of those probably or, or come out of Alexandria. It uh, took it several hundred years to, to come up, and it's housed in the Catholic Church, and I, I don't put any stock in that whatsoever. What I am telling you is, though, I believe that we can compare Scripture with Scripture. And the Bible says that there were wise men. In Babylon. Daniel's carried away into Babylon. The wise men are challenged to tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream, and they can't. And so he says, Death to all the wise men. And because Daniel stood up and said, Wait a minute, let me give me a minute, let me see if God will show it to me. God gave him the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel asked that all the lives of all the wise men be spared. And therefore they come under his control. And he became chief of the wise men. 
when we started talking about those wise men, if you want to flip over to it, Daniel chapter number 2, verse number 2, told us about four distinct groups. And every time the wise men are mentioned in the book of Daniel, all four of these groups are represented. Now, he could have just called them wise men, been done with it, but there were four distinct groups represented. I didn't get a whole lot out of that as we went through it. I, I've looked at it, and I studied it, and I understand each had a slightly different uh, thing that they did. They were a little different according to their names and what their things were. But I want to use them in some applications this morning about the wise men of Daniel and them being the predecessors of the wise men of the nativity. The Bible says in Daniel 2, chapter 2, the Bible says, Then the king commanded all the magicians. That's where we get the phrase magi. The word magi is found in your, in your Bible. That's, that's the word, word uh, magician, magi. In the New Testament, magi. That's why they're called the magi, the, the, the wise ones. There came, the Bible says, wise men to Jerusalem. And so uh, we find out if you go back and study that these are scholars. These magi, these magicians, it's not like we think about sleight of hand. That's not the type of magicians that we're talking about. But rather, these were the men who held the ancient arts and the ancient knowledge. And they were the ones who uh, would, basically were the historians. And they brought back uh, all the heritage of all of their peoples and the best, if you will. And, and he assembled them together. And there was more than one group, but he had, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had tried to assemble the smartest people on the planet together with him uh, that he might know how to deal with and, and how to progress his kingdom. These men of, these, these, these men of, called magicians, because they were employed by the court, they were employed by the king, they were chief counsel to the king. Therefore, they were men of means. They were, they were very rich. Say, so how do you know they were rich, preacher? Read on down in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. They didn't present vein of sausages, sardines, and a pack of rich crackers. They presented gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can I tell you that it was an expensive trip? And it was an expensive gift. And it was an expensive thing all the way around. Hey, these were not poor fellows. These were men of means. And it's found in the, in the presence. Now, we're still talking about those pretty cute little puppies. But let me paint you a picture of another dog. Different dog. When I was a boy, they had just, I think they had just built the dog the dog house or the dog shelter, animal shelter. You know why they had to build the animal shelter? Because the day was that stray dogs were so prevalent that they were a nuisance. They were a nuisance to society. And they were everywhere. You go to the third world today, few people own a dog, they're just dogs. And the dogs are just in the streets and they're just... I mean, I wouldn't pet a dog in the third world for nothing. They're not something that you want to pet. I mean, most of them have mange. We don't know much what that is anymore. But my friend, mange used to be a bad thing. And, and, and my friend, they want nothing that was more unpleasant to see coming up your driveway 
than an old mangy dog. Because the problem is, mange is extremely contagious. And certain types of mange, cats can catch it too. And if you think a mangy dog ain't worth much, honey, a mangy cat's worth less. About, about, th- worse, wor- about three mangy cats to one mangy dog. I mean, about three to one is the differential. When a cat's hair starts coming out and that thing's uh, red, big red patches on it, they call it the red mange, little bugs get in there and breed and tunnel under the skin. And uh, it's an awful thing. Man, I remember mangy dogs. I remember I'd want to pet a dog. A dog would come running up to you. And I remember my mama, she'd shoe them things. And it, everywhere you went, there's always dogs. Problem is, they'd get in the chicken house. They'd suck the eggs. They'd kill your chickens. They'd chase the livestock. They were just free roaming dogs. And they were all everywhere. And, they were, and if they ever got around your animals, then your animals have got it. If they ever come in, I'm even, even lay on the same pillow, get in the same doghouse, your animals have got it. This is the way it was. As a matter of fact, we used to have a very unique cure for the mange. Most people nodding their head. And it worked. You say, I don't believe it. I got, I got 20 people in here nodding their heads. They know, they know the punchline. Acousta Paper Corporation used to bleach paper and used to do their discharge into the Davidson's River. And it used to be kind of a milky-looking blue color. And you could take your dog down to the Davison River Bridge and throw your dog in the river off that bridge and let him swim out. And son, when he come out, the mange would be cured. Whatever those chemicals were would kill them them, uh, scabies that were under the skin. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. You'd see people on the side of the bridge. You'd drive by. People had their dogs throwing the dogs in the river. You say, that's an awful thing to do. Well, it's that or take it out in the woods and kill it. There ain't much else for it. I mean, I've seen people try motor oil. I've seen them try all kinds of things. But that, seriously, there was so much of whatever it was, caustics or what, I don't know what was in the water. Uh, maybe somebody could tell us, but uh, they, they cleaned it up later and ruined our mange cure. Uh, but uh, there used to be that river used to flow so bad right through there. Of course, there weren't no fish. You throw your dog in and cure the mange. The Davis River Bridge was known for a, the mange curing station. And if their people happened to get it, they'd throw their dog in it. But can I tell you, I don't care if you had the best hunting dog. I don't care if you had the best coon dog. I don't care what kind of dog you had. If it had the mange, it was essentially worthless. Because oftentimes they would get infected and die. Sometimes they would chew their own skin till they made sores and they would die. I don't remember people taking dogs to the, to the doctor. I remember the veterinarian come out and, and, and doctoring the cow. And I remember the veterinarian come out and doctoring the horse, but I don't ever remember having the dog doctor come. I don't ever remember that. People just didn't invest in that. They were not considered of that value. If you had a dog get something wrong with it, it just would go missing and a new one would show up. To ask my grandpa how he did that. I don't know. I have speculations, but that's the way it went. There weren't going to be no mangy dog around the Barton home. You rest assured of that. What are you trying to say, preacher? What I'm trying to say is that a mangy dog was worthless. And the problem with the mange is that the mange is always contracted from another. Isn't that a picture of sin? We inherited it. 
You can have a healthy dog, get it around a mangy dog. Hey, the, 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 the mangy dog ain't going to get cured by being around a healthy dog. Do you hear that? Oh, I'm going to take my mangy dog and put it in with a good healthy dog and maybe some of that health will rub off on my mangy dog. Well, don't look at me like that because you're letting some of your teenagers do the very thing. Hear me when I tell you, it don't work that way. I've rarely seen anybody pull somebody up. Usually they pull one another down. Careful, careful, careful. Call from another. Listen, if it's untreated, it gets worse. Can I say that's a type of sin exactly? If it's untreated, it gets worse. And can I tell you, uh, the symptoms of sin, the more you scratch it, the more it itches. And God help us not to expose our children to things that cause them to go start scratching their sin before they're old enough to even know the difference. I heard something the other day that said the average child now is exposed to pornography by the time they're 11 years old. That's wicked, folks. No wonder we got so many people that's upside down and, and, and can't handle life. No wonder we got so many people that's going crazy. Can I say it this way? If, though, if, you, were to, if you were to compare and make the comparison that the wise men were dogs, you would say, oh, they're prize Airedales. Oh, they're prize hunters or pointers. Oh, they're prize German shepherds. Are, are they the prize watchdog or, or, or hunting dog or are the, are the prize guard dog? When in fact, my friend, they were dogs. I'm talking about prior to their conversion. They were dogs and they were mangy dogs. Just as you and I. Instead of men of means, in the eyes of God, he saw them as mangy dogs. Look what the Bible says. Secondly, in Second Sam, Second uh, Dan, and excuse me, Daniel chapter two, verse two, the Bible says, "An astrologers, astrologers, they declared we've seen his star." They were astrologers. Astrologers were considered to be brilliant people. They were considered to be men of mentality. They were considered to be some of the smartest people on earth because they give their whole life to the study of stars. It was a religion to them. It was an obsession to them. And that's all they did was stargaze and look into the stars and from that uh, the, the, tell the future and signs and all those sorts of things. Men of mentality, seen as smart, but seen through the eyes of God. Can I tell you, they were malnourished. They were starving. What are you talking about, preacher? Spiritually empty. An old stray dog, they'd come to the house, first thing I'd want to do is feed it. My mom would say, don't you feed that dog. I said, why, mom? It's hungry. It'll stay, why? Don't feed it. You know what? I, I, I used to let feed him anyway. You know what I found? I ain't never found a stray dog get full. I've never seen a stray dog get full. You ever seen a stray get full? I've seen them go throw up and come back over and eat some more, but I've never seen them get full. They'll eat till they throw up, and then they'll come eat some more. They're glutton. But I've never seen a stray dog full. They're ever eating, but they're never full. 
The Bible says there's a group of people ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Hey, there's some smart people on the earth, but they're too smart for God. And they're too smart for the scriptures. And they're too smart for their own intellect. They're educated beyond their intelligence. Malnourished dogs. Mangy dogs. The Bible says in sorcerers. This is the spirit world. The Bible says in the east. There were wise men in the east. Revelation 22 tells us a little bit. Verse 15, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. According to these sorcerers, as a matter of fact, you turn to the New Testament. Uh, Elias, uh, Elimus, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, but we, have, we run into two different sorcerers that it's, the, the term is used. And both of them are men of renown. Both of, both of them are, are men that are looked up to. Both of them are men that, uh, that people uh, that actually are, are hired and are in the employment uh, of men of renown uh, because uh, they're considered to be a master uh, of men because of this sorcery that they possess. And so as far as uh, man's concerned, uh, they're masters. But as far as God's concerned, they're mad. You see, part of what happened with the sorcerers was they would invite those evil spirits into their bodies. They would become demon-possessed. And when they would speak, they would speak satanic lies through the mouths of demons. They would have enough truth in it to verify that it was coming other than that man. And somebody said, well, preacher, it was real. They really told what was going to happen. Just because it's real don't mean it's right. Bible forbids it. Bible, Bible says it's the death sentence. It's, it's, it's a death sentence. I mean, full of the devil, full of demons. I don't know how to compare this exactly, but Brother Ralph Sexton Sr. told me that in the Great Depression at the end of war, beginning of the end, end of the Depression, the beginning of the war, he said he had a tent meeting on uh, this side of Asheville, and he said people got to being delivered and people got to getting up and be, being delivered from different things and, and all sorts of things were going on and people were getting saved. He said, but the mad dogs started coming to the tent. Now, we don't know what that is in this day because you got to have a rabies shot. You got to have your tags on your dogs. You rarely hear of a mad dog, occasionally a rabid coon, occasionally a rabid fox, but you never hear of a, a rabid dog. But I remember as a kid, I mean, they would holler, mad dog, mad dog. If you saw a dog come up the driveway, one of these old mangy strays, one of these old malnourished mangy strays come up the driveway, and if he had any kind of slobber or any kind of foam coming from his mouth, you would holler, mad dog, mad dog. One day there's one coming, I climb up in the tree, in my treehouse to get away from it, and it hung around. I couldn't get down because it was around the bottom. Don't know if it was mad or not, but I wasn't going to go down to find out. I'd heard about them rabies shots. I'd heard about what it was like to die with rabies going mad. I'd heard about those times. Brother Ralph Sexton said they brought men with guns and stood, stood uh, sentinel outside of his tent to prevent the mad dogs from coming under the tent. There was such a move of God. And he said, this is a question. He said, you reckon all them mad dogs had anything to do with all them people getting saved? He said, preacher, you reckon it had anything to do with that? I said, preacher, you've been in this thing longer than I have. He said, well, it's interesting. He said, it didn't start until people started getting saved. And he said, well, we started, stirred up them demons. He said, then them dogs started. And he said, it was amazing. He said, we had to have guards every night. 
be on the lookout for mad dogs because they'd come under the tent. I mean, when you think about sorcerers and astrologers and magicians, Boy, they're masters of men, but in the eyes of God, they're mad dogs. They're like uh, the Gadarenean demoniac. He was mad. He was crazy, naked, running through the graveyard, cutting himself. And then the Bible says that there were the Chaldeans. They were the spiritualists. The Chaldeans, they were a particular line. They were a very, very old people. As a matter of fact, they went all the way back to Abraham, the Ur of the Chaldees. They were just like the Levitical priesthood of the Jew. These Chaldeans were very much like that. You had to be born into that group. And so these men uh, were considered to be an old race, and they were considered to be men of majesty. They were priests of Bel Merodach, big temple there in Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar built to Bel Merodach. It was the biggest building there. And so these Chaldeans, when the Chaldeans come in, it was like the Pope coming to town. I mean, it was pomp and circumstance and and majesty up one side and down the other. And when people think of, of, of those Chaldeans, they thought of men of majesty. But can I tell you that when God looked at them and their sin, he saw them as mongrels. Mongrels. You know what a mongrel is? Has no pedigree. Has no bloodline. Little of this, little of that. Little of the other. You see, they recognized bloodlines because their statement was, we're here to see he who is born king of the Jews. They understood a little about that. But can I tell you, although, although mongrel dogs sometimes make good pets, can I tell you, just an old mongrel dog, you won't get a big price for it. They basically have no value. They might have some use, but they have no value. I mean, a little, a little tree and walker, a little, a little fast dog, you squirrel hunt with them, a tree and walker, uh, you know, you, 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 different type of dogs, the plots, the, uh, the, the black and tans, uh, they had a purpose. Guy across from me, he's got great Pyrenees, they guard the goat herd. Those are work dogs. Those dogs are valuable. Those dogs have a job and they do their job well. You get, I mean, you even try to get near those goats, those dogs will get you. They're amazing. They're, they're, they're so trained that they'll even go after a fly that's bothering one of the goats. They'll chase a fly off of a goat's head. They love their goats. It's amazing to me how they just like mother them almost and care for them. Every night about dusk, it'll start. Ooh. Deeper than a fire whistle. And then there'll be another one up on the hill. Ooh. And then the one on this side, ooh, and they'll do that for about two or three hours. Big low pitch, lowest, lowest howl on a dog you've ever heard, low tones. And I finally looked it up. Why do them dogs do that every night? That low frequency carries, and can, they said it can be heard by animals up to several miles, especially other canine species including fox, coyote, wolves, predator animals. And what their warning is, I'm on guard, and you come after my goats, you're going to come after me. you got to come through me, 
And the next one says, and me. And the next one says, and me. And the next one says, and me. And then they start the course all over again. You come after my goats, you got to come through me. And the other one says, and me, and me, and me. And they sing a quartet, and they go round and around and around for hours on end. You kind of get used to it after a while. But those dogs are so sensitive because they're purebred. Can I tell you? that you and I, we're not of pure bloodline. What I'm saying by that is we're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And my friend, we have no claim whatsoever to the line of Abraham. There may be somebody here with Jewish blood, but I'm saying for the most part, you and I were outside. We were outcasts. We were mongrels, if you will. Can I tell you that the wise men, they were in the same shape as we were. You understand the human, human pedigree. We divided a number of different ways, but the human pedigree is basically divided in three ways. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. If you see him in Genesis, Shem, him, and Japheth. There's only three kinds of people on earth, folks. Shem, him, and Japheth. In the gospel, you can see them. Matthew's written to Shem, the Jews. Mark's written to Ham, the servants. Luke's written to Japheth. If you look in the grace, in the, new, in the book of Acts, you'll see it again. Uh, there's Shem and Paul. There's Ethiopian eunuch and him. There's Cornelius and Japheth. Can I say we might have even seen it at the grotto, which is the cave. That's what they call it, the grotto, where the, the nativity, where Christ was born, and a little cave-like area that they built a lean-to out. That's where the barns typically were made of. It's said that one of the wise men was from Europe. He would have represented J the Japathian race. Uh, the other one, they say, was from Asia. He would have represented the Shemites, not the, not the Jews, but the Shemite race. The other one, they say, uh, was uh, a man from, uh, uh, from Africa and would represent the descendants of Ham. I don't know of all about that, but this one thing I do know, they were all part of that human race that God had given up on. God had given the human race another chance, and what did they do? They built a tower unto heaven and defied the very God of heaven, and so God scattered them, and he called one man out of the tribe of Shem, and he made a brand new nation out of him. God gave up on the human race, and God created the Hebrew race. But can I tell you that even the Hebrew race had its downfalls. All the races represent lost humanity. The Bible says about these wise men, let's bring it back in. They says that they were come to worship. When they had heard that the king, when they heard the king, the Bible says in verse 9, they departed and lo, the star which saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child were. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hey, they were brought by the word of God. How do you know? Had to be. They knew where Bethlehem was. They knew a king of the Jews was going to be born. And they knew a star was associated with him. They had to know something about the scriptures. The scriptures brought them to the Lord. But what's interesting is they, they came by the word of God and they left by a word from God. God spoke to them directly. Not in signs, not in, not in, when they left, God communed directly with them. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The truth that Gentiles were supernaturally invited to the Savior's birth 
gave the world hope of a new day dawning, the dispensation of grace. And can I say that that still gives hope for mangy, malnourished, mad mongrels like you and I. Now, I don't know their state exactly. They seemed to be God-fearers before they came. But somewhere back in their life, they were lost. And they were on their road to a devil's hell. And I don't know if the transformation came there at the seeing of Christ or not. But I know this, they left a different way. They came based simply on faith in the Scriptures, but they left by a word from God Himself. Hallelujah. And the Bible says they left rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. Can I say you'll leave different than you came when you come to God? To God be the glory. Dogs in the Christmas story. Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour. Brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message once again in its entirety, for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, you can visit The Preaching Channel at wgcrpreaching.net. If you don't have download capabilities, feel free to call and order a CD copy of today's message at 828-884-9427.